Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Trip Kramer. He's an LA-based dating coach who is the founder of Trip Advice. He specializes in teaching attraction and dating advice for both men and women. Thank you so much, Trip, for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, um, how you got into this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, let's see, how far back does it go? I mean, in my early 20s, uh, I was, you know, I was the shy guy. I guess I was, I was always pretty shy and not really great with women. And just like everyone else out there, you know, I'll be honest, my story's not that unique. I, I did the same thing everyone else does. I read the game. I researched a lot of, you know, different stuff online and tried to find, you know, all the different answers I could to getting better with women. The only thing was, is that before that search started, before I, I did all that, the thing was, is I didn't even realize that it was possible. I mean, I think a lot of guys maybe realize this too, but like, I didn't know that it was possible to get better at something like this. You know, it took me a long time to understand that this was actually a skill, you know, rather than uh, just something that you're born with, you know, you're either born with good social skills or you're not. And so I just thought I wasn't. And that wasn't until I stumbled upon, you know, all this information that you could actually get better at it. So I just delved in hardcore. I mean, I was reading everything I got my hands on and I ended up going out for about Ooh, I don't know, like two to three years straight maybe and just going out like three to five nights per week. Sometimes I'd go out like three weeks in a row just practicing this stuff, trying to get better at it, trying to get better at meeting women and socializing because uh, I was actually – I'm in Los Angeles. We're based in LA over here and and I was new to this city. So you know, one of the reasons that really got me going to learn all this stuff is because I didn't have any friends really out here in Los Angeles. I didn't know anyone. I was kind of on my own. So – that's what really pushed me into going hardcore into to learning this stuff and going out and practicing and and trying to date more and and it ended up being that I got pretty good. I think really anyone can get good at this if they were to go out for like two to three years straight and I just fell in love with all this information and and how this can help guys, so I just started to you know coach guys for free and help them out just because I was going out all the time and then about, I don't know, three and a half years ago, I started what is now known as Trip Advice, where I help guys and take them out and help them with socializing and flirting and confidence and uh, getting more dates and becoming more attractive. And that's pretty much here where we are today. That's the short of it. That's the short story. I, I want to talk to actually ask you a little bit about kind of that process because it, you went out a lot. What were kind of the benefits and and even if there were drawbacks, what were some of the drawbacks to going out that much? Well, the benefits, I mean, heavily, heavily outweighed the drawbacks. You know, the benefits were I was able to get good at this and get good at it, you know, really fast just because I was going out so much. You know, I guess one of the drawbacks is you kind of have to put other things in your life on the back end. You know, I mean, the fact that I was focusing on this, meaning I wasn't really focusing on anything else. I wasn't really doing much with with my job. I didn't really care about where I was working. I was only focused on this. So it's like, you know, it's it's good and bad. It's good because I was able to put more time into 
learning how to meet women, but bad because nothing else in my life was progressing further, just this. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter because if you want to learn a skill, if you want to learn a craft, you have to put a lot of time and energy into it. And if that one thing, whatever it is, and for me it was meeting women, was that's important to you, then you put that time in, you know, and I don't think there really are, you know, much drawbacks as, lo as long as you're, you know, staying healthy and everything. I mean, I can tell you a funny story this one time. Uh, I went out and, and I did all this sober. There wasn't any drinking or, or partying or anything. It was really just going out sober, learning how to, how to get better at this. And this one night I was out to like 1 a.m. and it was a work night. And I remember I was driving home. I lived kind of far from, from the, the like Hollywood and downtown area of Los Angeles. So I, I would drive down and then leave at like 1 a.m. and drive all the way back to where I was staying. And I remember getting pulled over because – I was swerving lanes because I was falling asleep at the wheel. And like, it was like so intense that I would, I would be just so tired, you know, from going out so much. So I guess that was technically a drawback, but again, that's just kind of, that's part of it. And what's funny was literally the next day I went out again and I was swerving and I got pulled over again. So two days in a row, two different cops, same highway because I was falling asleep at the wheel. So Anyone out there, I, I suggest if you're going out late nights, you know, make sure you drink some coffee so you don't get into any accidents. But, um, but other than that, it was just a really eye-opening experience. Well, what were some of the things that you did learn by kind of going out that much? I mean, I'm assuming that you started to see certain patterns. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say one of the biggest things I learned was that girls are not as, you know, as mean as as people think I get a lot of students and I thought the same way that every time you'd go up to a girl, you'd get rejected. Like rejection was, was so, so much part of it, but I learned that it really wasn't. I learned that going up and, and talking to girls and having just a normal conversation sans pickup lines and just being, you know, just being normal and just being confident and fun can actually get you pretty far with a girl. And so for a while, you know, when I was studying some of the pickup stuff, I really didn't like it. So what I did was I dropped all the pickup stuff and I decided to just go out and actually just focus on talking to people and not focusing on any kind of like uh, techniques or methods or or any kind of, I don't know, routines and such. And I was just going out and just talking to people like that was the only goal, focusing on that one thing. And I found that that just that alone worked. That if you just go out and you just start talking to people, you can actually get results. Not an amazing ton of results. You still got to know how to talk to girls. You still need to know how to flirt and all those things. But sometimes just doing it is actually enough. you know. And so I hope that's encouraging for any of the guys listening out there right now is that you know, you can actually just do it without even picking up a book or, or anything like that and, and actually be able to get dates and be able to build your confidence that way. So that was like one of the bigger things that I learned. Yeah, I mean, really like part of this is numbers, right? Just how many people that you approach. Like if you approach 100 people, a certain percentage of them are going to be receptive. And uh, But then you start to talk about the other set of numbers that we like to talk about, which is percentages, things that there are certain things that you can do that will get you a higher return on your investment, so to say. Um, and so you mentioned right now, you mentioned two things. You mentioned being confident and being fun. 
So I'm curious, what types of things did you learn when you're you're going out about what people look for in confidence? How do you communicate it, and and how to be how to be more fun? Because a lot of the guys who are listening to this will say, okay. Uh, I need to be more fun and they won't know. They just got to kind of get confused. Maybe you have some specific strategies that you could recommend. Yeah, absolutely. I think so to start off, one of the bigger things that I learned in terms of how to come off confident and fun, really both of them together, is super related to the way that you carry yourself. So I see, for example, you know, I'll give you two examples of um, what it would look like in a sense for a guy to go up to a girl who's not confident and then the opposite, a guy, what it looks like for a guy who is confident to go up to a girl, right? So the guy who's not confident, who's going up to a girl, their body language is very tight. You know, their arms are like almost glued to their sides or maybe like their hands are stuffed in their pockets, you know, and they just seem very stiff and there's, there's very little expression on the guy's face. Uh, that would mean like no smiling, or just kind of like, you just kind of look like a deer caught in the headlights, right? And then you go up to a girl and you kind of mumble or stutter out, you know, the the line that you want to say, the opener. And that is going to be, you know, probably one of the worst ways you can do an approach with a girl, okay? So in order to come off confident, more playful... I always tell guys you have to be a lot more animated. So that's one of the big things that I learned when I was going out there is that being animated really helps girls feel the confidence with you and feel like this fun, positive energy coming off of you, which gives you, um, you know, obviously more of a shot with a girl and she becomes a little bit more attracted to you. So what does that look like? That's going up to a girl with a really rock solid eye contact going up with a big smile. I always say to guys, when you're talking to a girl, talk with your hands, move your hands a little bit, you know, don't just keep them to the side. You know, like when you tell a story, you know, move your hands up and down a little bit, not, not too much where you're kind of like flailing your arms everywhere, but you want to show a little bit of animation, a little bit of energy coming out of you, going up to them and not being so stiff, right? Relaxing, putting your shoulders back and just kind of breathing so there's a lot more life flowing through your body so you're not so stiff right and the eye contact combined with some of the hand movements and a lot of smiling that is the first step to becoming or at least appearing more playful and what's really cool is that if you're like in a in a social setting if you're in a bar and you're talking to a girl just like that, people around you are going to notice, right? We're always picking up on the body language around people. So people are going to notice that you're comfortable around women. They're going to notice that you're confident and they don't even know what you're saying, but they're just going to pick that up and they're going to assume it just from seeing you do that. So those little, little movements, those little tricks go a far way, right? And then in terms of talking to the girls, you know, in terms of being playful. I mean, you want to add in some teasing. I'm really big on teasing. And I'll just say this, uh, if any guys are listening and they know about negs, um, negs and teasing to me are actually a, a different thing, you know? So if you don't know what a neg is, a neg is, uh, it's like a pickup artist term in terms of basically kind of a backhanded compliment or, or putting a girl down sort of, um, where a tease is much, much, much lighter. You know what I mean? So like an example of a tease would be, you know, if she says that, you know, she's um, 
like a, a nurse or something, you'd say, oh, you, you're so smart. You're probably like the smartest girl in this bar, right? And you say that with a smile. And that's kind of a little bit of a tease, right? So if you throw out a tease like that, then you're, you're coming off more playful. And really, here's the best part is you can almost say anything to a girl. And with a grin on your face or a smile, almost like you're – it's kind of like you're holding back a laugh. Like you got this smile on your face as you're talking to them. You can almost say anything and you're coming off playful because you just look like you're having a good time. One of the best ways I've heard someone describe this is self-amused. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. Self-amused. That's definitely, definitely a great tip, you know, because that's the thing too, right? So the reason why self-amused works so well, I believe, is that if you're not having fun, they're not going to have fun, right? So, I mean – you might go and talk to a girl and it might be a really boring conversation. What do you do? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And at the end of the day, I know that most guys don't even give a shit about the answers to those questions. And if, and most of the time, since they don't give a shit, the girls don't really give a shit and it's a really boring conversation. So part of the self amusement is really going up to girls or going up to people, anyone and talking about the stuff that you want to talk about, the stuff that's interesting to you and that's fun and being able to communicate whatever that is in a fun and playful way and that's with the body language i have a question i know that there are certain guys out here who when you say more animated and i think you're right you're right about that uh but you say more animated and they picture an animated cartoon character like some guys flapping his arms all around and he's like whatever um and and really it's outside of their their comfort zone of their normal behavior. They're used to being more subdued, taking up less space, moving less with their, their hands and arms. And there's reasons for this, right? Um, like they've been kind of conditioned to be more kind of restrained or subdued. If this is something that's outside of the comfort zone of somebody who's listening to this, but they know that they need to figure this part out because it will make so many more of your interactions go so much better because people will talk to you based on how they feel around you. How do they break out of this self-restraint? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really big on the baby step method, right? So I just spit out a lot of information there on what it looks like to be animated. And I completely understand that you can't just go from zero to, you know, 60 miles per hour, right? And and half a second, like you got to be able to, to kind of learn all the different steps to get up to that point. So I say that if you, you know, you don't just become that guy, you got to work up to that guy, right? And I'm talking about that guy that's, that's more animated, right? You're not going to just, okay, now be animated and do all this stuff. I mean, you could, but, but, you know, like you just said, it's difficult to just jump that far. So I always say taking baby steps is the best way to do it, right? So when you first start, getting into approaching, I would say, don't even worry about being animated. Don't even think about that. Like that should be actually on the, on the, on the bottom of your list. The first thing should just be going up and doing the approaches because they're not going to work right away and that's okay, but at least get used to approaching first, you know, because if you start work, this is what I did personally, actually. And this is what kind of screwed me up in the beginning is I was worrying about everything. I was like, I got to learn how to approach and, and, and make her laugh and, and build the attraction and, and number close. Like I was worrying about everything at once. It overwhelmed me and I couldn't get anywhere. Right. So it's like, just work on the approaching first. And then once you're kind of a little less shy with that, then what, what starts to happen is the approach gets easier. So you can actually be more present 
and you can kind of kind of see like, okay, what is it that you might be doing wrong in the interactions, right? So you might be want to focusing on like eye contact first, right? So then you just add eye contact into the mix, start doing more approaches, and then just focus on being able to hold rock solid eye contact, right? And then once you start getting good at that and doing that, then you can add in something else, you know, make sure you go up there and, and you feel more relaxed, more relaxed in your body, you know, spread your legs a little bit. Then once you get a little bit better at that, then work on making sure your hands are out of your pockets. And then once you get good at that, start working on using your arms and your hands more in conversation, right? So it's just building up to that point. So it's, and that makes it a lot effortless, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, their perspective, and that's kind of like, that's like half my job, right? And yours too, I'm sure is like, is changing their perspective and how to look at all this stuff. They think that, you know, every time they get rejected, it's the worst thing ever. And it's, it's not, it's practice. It's swinging the bat at the ball and fixing and tweaking all the little things that you need to fix before you can get good at it. And it's going to take time. And, you know, for me, it took a couple years, right? But the, but, but the, the best part about it is the rewards are great. You know, you put work into anything and you take those baby steps that we're talking about, you will start seeing results as long as you're really focusing on getting better. So I think that's one of the best ways to do it if you're, if you're really shy and reserved is to just work on it step by step. When I first started out, um, you talked about being confused. I was so fucking confused. <laughs> there were, I was like trying to, I was reading these books and watching videos of people online and I was just like, this is too much. Like I need to learn palm reading and, oh my God, I, and yes, I have to like yes. learn to like peacock and then I have to figure out how like all these like terminology, right? Whether it's like GHV or negging or like it was it was a confuction <laughs> is what it was. I don't know that's not even a real word, I don't think, but um that's the best way to describe it. I was so, so screwed up and uh and then I just realized that so much is such bullshit. Uh day versus night game, like Well no, I'll say this though. I'll say this. I think that day and night game are actually different. I really do. I, I, I've heard arguments against it. I actually would love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, but I think that they're they're much different. G give, me your, give me your perspective and I'll tell you mine. Okay, cool. So here's what I do. I actually – I've come up with some new terminology. Okay, so I don't use day and night game. I mean I do sometimes but really I try to – I don't see it as where the sun is during the day, right? That's not – that's not you know what I look at because that doesn't matter. I look at – are you in a social setting or a casual setting, right? Because there's different energies that you put out whether you're in a social or a casual setting, right? So a social setting is, is typically your night game. That's a bar. That's a club, you know, stuff like that. But at the same time, you could be at, let's say, a pool party during the day. Maybe you're in Vegas, right? Or maybe you're at a friend's house. There's a party going on and it's bright. It's broad daylight out. You know, there's no day game in there. That's a that's a social setting, and that's a different type of energy. That that's the same kind of energy you're going to put out, you know, at a pool party that you that you will at a bar, right? But then there's the casual settings, which most guys would call like day game, and that's when you're in. You're not in a party atmosphere. You're not in a social setting. It's like you're you're on the sidewalk. You're at a grocery store, right? But again, right, doesn't matter if it's day or night. You could be, at, you know, at, at a grocery store at, at nine o'clock at night and approaching a girl. It's not night game, right? It's it's more of a casual setting. So I believe that you can, you know, you can get away with a little bit more 
at night, or I should say, you know, in my in the social setting than you can during a casual. You know, the approach is a little bit different. It's a little bit lower energy. Um, I guess if you're more advanced, you can you can touch a little bit more and flirt a little bit, a little bit more in a casual setting. But so I just believe it's it's really the different environments. You know, you look at it with with coming in with a different type of energy and being able to kind of read that situation. As you're talking, I imagine Google Earth. And so on Google Earth, you can zoom in all the way till you can see your street, depending on where you live, um, and maybe even look at your house or apartment or or you can zoom back and you can see your city, your, your country, your continent, the world. And so from like a macro perspective, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that those different environments on a macro level, if you get far enough away, you start to see general principles that are more effective in each environment. So um, that I, I'll agree with you. The, the reason why I said that there isn't a difference is because it has to do with a style or approach to coaching that, uh, that I developed. And essentially what I mean is that I want people to make their choices on what they're going to do not from a macro perspective, but based on the responses to stimulus from the person uh, that they're interacting with, the responses to your stimulus from the person you're interacting with. And what I mean by that is... So like calibration in a sense? As, essentially, yeah. So if you... Yeah, for so, sure. So if you touch... So, okay, first you, you mentioned the, the energy of the environment. Like that would be an example of, yes, on a macro level, that's true. But kind of as a general rule, I'll tell guys like more specific tips like... You want to kind of get a feel for the energy of the environment. How do you do that? Well, things like the music in the environment will give you an indication of what the general energy in the environment, because music is used to set mood as, as an example. So like, let's say you're at a nightclub and you're trying to figure out how do I adjust to this environment and I'm having trouble. Something as simple as like singing along with the songs will get you into the emotional uh, level of the environment, but even kind of more importantly, paying attention to the girl that you're talking to or a group that you're approaching and figuring out what is the energy level of the group, looking at their level of animation, paying attention to their rate of speech, their tonality, their volume, and and using that information to make choices on kind of what to do. Um, you mentioned the word calibration. You can refer to it as calibration, but when you touch somebody, how are they, re are they receptive to the touch? How receptive they are? Because you're, as a general rule, you're right. In a, in a bar environment, girls are probably often more receptive to touch on a general way, but certain girls are going to be super receptive in any environment or in environments that people would say, well, women aren't receptive as environments. They're wrong. Yeah. So essentially what I'm talking about is a really a coaching style. I'm not kind of denying that there are general tendencies, but as opposed to have somebody say, okay, here's a list of 10 things you should do during the day or in a, as you said, in a, a social environment versus a casual 10 things you should do in a casual environment. Uh, like my approach is more like what's happening in the environment, environment that you're in, what are some specific tools to adjust, not just that environment, but more importantly to the people that you're interacting with in their, that environment, like how are they reacting to the things that you're doing and how do you take those reactions and use that use that information in a meaningful way to figure out what to do next. Right, right. No, for sure. Actually, I really like that too. That's, I mean, that's 
basically leaving so many options on the table, you know, being able to, to look at it like that, because, you know, I mean, you know, whatever you want to call it, calibrating or just adapting, but yeah, you're, you're, what you're saying is like, let's say, you know, you are at a grocery store, you know, and it's day and it's whatever, it's chill, the energy is chill, but you start getting into a conversation with a girl who's all of a sudden super flirty and touching you. Well then, yeah, absolutely. You know, just like you're saying, you want to touch her back, you know, you want to increase the flirting. And I mean, you could easily even go for a makeout, you know, in a grocery store versus, um, you know, like how you might usually do that at a bar or something like that. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It is about reading the situation in front of you and reading kind of how the group of girls or the girl is responding and then being able to kind of move through there. You know, that's like the, I mean, that's like the James Bond smooth style, being able to really adapt to your environment. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, really, we're talking about emotional intelligence. And, and the only way that you develop it is really experience. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, you can't read a book on that. You just can't. Like, I mean, it's it as, as a coach, it's like I try to explain a lot of stuff to my students. And I'm just like, you know what? I can explain it perfectly to you with the exact right words and sentences and diagrams, et cetera. But nothing is going to teach you better than actually just really – having that experience with the girl and seeing her reaction and feeling her reaction because a lot of that stuff is is learned through you know being in that moment and that's why i'm always encouraging guys you know whether you've memorized the lines or read the routines or not just go out there and, and don't waste any time and 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 do the approaches and make it happen you know dating coach chris Luna here this is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website, Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. One of the things I, that you said I liked was your description of a breakdown of this process from just approaching to approaching and holding eye contact to approaching and holding eye contact and um, using your hands to tell a story. And, and literally you can do this. I mean, you could go to the end of like this process through increments, right? In fact, one of the, the ways that like I'll often tell people to think about situations is think about where you want to go, where are you at now, and then break up those two ends into pieces. And the pieces should always be small enough that you can do them. So you might not be able to do everything at once, but if you just focus as you described on one thing, uh, then it becomes an achievable goal. 
And the other thing that happens is you start to develop these intuitions that we're describing um, because suddenly you have a framework to process information um, as opposed to having like when all this stuff is happening, you have all the stimulus. It's like somebody shining a bright flashlight straight into your eyes. And you're like, I can't see. I can't see <laughs> versus versus um, when you, you're able to focus on one thing at a time. Like it gives you the ability to process it until you can you understand it like it's a part of what you're doing. And then you're no longer thinking about it. And then you kind of you move on to the next thing. And then you do that. You're no longer thinking about it. And then essentially that's how you build skill set yeah i mean exactly and i was just going to say that's what we're talking about here we're talking about building a skill set we're talking about learning a skill and that's the thing that i feel like and myself included you know didn't realize and don't realize about this is that it is a skill you know and a lot of guys they feel um discouraged because like, oh, but we're humans. We should know this stuff. Why do I have to learn this? Like, I should just know how to be better with women, blah, 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 blah. And the fact of the matter is, you know, some people are and some people aren't. And a lot of it is how you're raised and, and how you grew up and it's factors that you just can't control. So, you know, in order to get better at something like this, you got to treat it as a skill. And that in itself you know, if you want to look at this in a positive way, in an optimistic way, that's great. Hey, how awesome is it that we can actually learn this? You know, that was like, that was the big shocker to me. Like, wait a minute, I can learn this. I can actually get better at this. This is crazy. Like that, that blew me away. And so what we're talking about here is, is taking those baby steps. It's like anything. I mean, we can relate this. And I always use the analogy of like tennis or basketball or sport or, or learning an instrument I mean, you start with one piece and then you move on. Like when I first started playing guitar, you know, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I it feels so strange to be able to move your fingers on these strings and it hurts after a while. You get these blisters, right? And and you got to take these little small steps. Like first you got to learn strumming and then you learn one chord and then you learn two chords and then you can learn transitioning from one chord to the other chord. And then now you give me a guitar. I'm not amazing. Like I'm not a professional, but I'm switching around chords so fast. I'm not even thinking about it. And that was all because I took the time to learn it because it's a skill and take the baby steps. And that's exactly what happens when you're going out there meeting girls. Just like you were saying is that you start to get better at these things and you don't even think about it anymore. It becomes, you know, it becomes part of you. You become more intuitive. And that's the amazing part about it. I mean, there's all people like to say 10,000 hours and, and uh, Malcolm Gladwell took that idea and basically wrote a best-selling book on it with um, yeah. the outliers. Out, outliers. Yeah. What, what do you think about that idea? 10,000 hours. Do you think that's a good guesstimation or? I mean, here's the thing, you know, and it's funny because I've, I've used, I've used this in my coaching talking about, you know, the 10,000 hours in Malcolm Gladwell and I believe in it. I do believe that if you spend, I mean, you got to realize how long 10,000 hours is, right? It's a long time. That's, I think that's about 10 years. I think that's what it comes out to. Uh, don't quote me on that, but something like that, like a very long time, right? Practicing that one thing seven hours a day or whatever it is for so long. Here's the best part about it. The 10,000 hour rule, when he talks about it in his book, he's talking about becoming an expert at something. 
you know he's talking about the beatles for crying out loud like one of the best bands in the world right talking about all the greats who have put in their 10,000 hours most guys when they're learning this stuff you know I mean, I don't know. Every guy's different. Some guys just want to learn how to get good at one night stands. Some guys are looking for a girlfriend. Some guys are looking for a wife, you know, whatever it is. But the the best part about it is you don't need 10,000 hours. You don't need expert status to get the results that you want to get. You know, if anything, you need those to maybe become a coach like us, right? That'd be one thing because we're actually teaching it. But even then, I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's no way of putting 10,000 hours in this. Right. There's just not. But I've been successfully coaching for a long time now. Right. And I'm sure same with you. And the thing is, is that with this, I mean, I even tell guys I went out for like two, three years straight, but now I'm a coach. Right. So that led me to do coaching because I got so obsessed with it. I loved it. But you don't I mean, anyone, you know, you don't have to put in even close to half of that time to get good at this. You don't, you don't, you know, if any guys are listening around, they're like, oh shit, I got to put in three years of this stuff. Like, that's crazy. You don't have to do that. I just did that because I just fell in love with the process and I, you know, and I, and I loved it all and I just love self-help and improvement and all that stuff. But, you know, to get good at this, to get at the level that you want, you don't need to, to look at that 10,000 hour rule. You don't need to check off all those hours. You can just put enough time into it, enough focus into it and you will get better. You know, with just a, with just being able to put in the hours, sometimes that's just enough. And a lot of guys don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of add something here. I people bring up that this ten thousand hours, and I agree. I think uh, to master something, that's a really like a good guesstimation. And uh, I forget the exact number, but I think if you're doing it full something full time, it ends up being about three years. Um, but what I'll often tell people is, this is not like learning to program. A computer where you've never done it you've never had any experience in it or uh, it's not like learning to dance where you've never like danced in any type of formal way or you've never sang and so you're trying to learn to master singing like you've been socializing your entire life you might not be that great at it but it's not like you don't have any experience um, so guys who are not in professions that are as social for example you're a computer programmer or you're a mathematician or you are um, doing a lot of case law, you're an attorney, uh, you're whatever, like uh, versus somebody who works in sales or somebody who works as a bartender. Somebody in a social profession is going to get more practice socializing, but you don't need 10,000 hours because you, you already have a lot of experience under your belt. And two, as you said, it all depends on what you want your goal. And, and the reality is, most people don't need that much experience under their belt to achieve their goals. You talked a lot about kind of going out there and making these incremental changes. I'm curious, did you journal through that process? Absolutely. Yep. You did? Can you talk about the benefits of that? For sure. You know, it's funny too, because I, I think I lost the journal and I'm like really upset about that because um, it was just like, Oh, I get chills thinking about it. Like looking back at that little, it was actually, it was a little black book, which is funny. Um, but it wasn't used for numbers. It was just used for, um, journaling. So what I did was when I first went out, think, uh, I think I journaled my first 45 days out. Now that wasn't my first 45 days in a row. It was just my first 45 days. So I think I did 45 days of going out. I think I did that within four months, maybe. No, no, that's too long. How many, how many days is three months? 30, 
90. I think it was about like two to three months. I did my first 45 days. And what I did was I made it really simple. I would put on top the date where I went out, how many approaches I did, how much money I spent, and how long I went out for, and then what events happened that night, and then what to, what were my like takeaways? Like what could what what are what do I need to work on? Like what's what's rough right now? So that was pretty much it. And it was a very small black book, so I only had like a like a tiny little page to write it all in, which which I don't know. I don't know if I recommend that or not, but that's just kind of what I had. And um I remember on that first page and maybe like the following, like I think the first one to three pages, which is the first one to three days that I went out, you look on there and it's like I went out for like four hours the first night. And like my approach is zero. Right. So like it was almost it's kind of depressing looking back at it, right? It's like, oh my God, like it went out for so many hours and I couldn't approach one single person. And there was a point too where I almost gave up. It was like, you know, I was journaling for the first couple of days and I was like, oh my God, I keep going out and I'm not talking anymore. Like I'm not getting anything done because I was just, I had really bad approach anxiety. So I almost gave up. I was like, this is, this is not for me. It's just not going to work for me. But something inside of me was like, all right, just keep going because what's the other option? You know what I mean? Like just can't really lose. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. And then like little by little, as the pages turn, you see like, I did like one approach one night and then like another approach I did like, or one other day I did like three approaches. And then like on day seven, it was like 10 approaches and 10. And then like, I didn't start, I stopped counting after 10, it would say like 10 plus. And then every day I would put down like what I did good and what I did, you know, for the first few days it was all about what I did bad, but I started to get a little bit better. So I'd be like, okay, this was good. This, you know, I was able to, um, I don't even remember, but maybe I'd say I was able to flirt with a girl or I was able to, you know, be comfortable doing this approach or I approached a group, you know, or I approached a, a group of guys and girls. And so I'd write those things down and I would also be like, what could I do better? Like, what were the mistakes that I made? So I really took a very like systematic approach to it. And, and then I would like, what was really cool just cause I was all geeky about it. I'd like write up all the stats of it. So like after the first 15, every 15 days, I'd write down like how many approaches I did, how much money I spent going out, you know, how many numbers I got. And as you go through this, I mean, the changes are really incredible, you know, by the end of it and the journaling process, you know, it's, it's tough cause it's emotional cause you got to write down like all the experiences that you're having and some of them might be not good, but it, totally totally helps so you can so you can be able to see where you're going and you can be able to work on getting better at it you know you're taking that that systematic approach to it and what's really cool is you get to look back and and just it gives you this sense of confidence because you can see where you came from i mean i think it's so important i require that the guys that i coach you this now i wish i would have done it and i got to a point where it's not realistic in the sense that most of the girls that I now date are girls that I would be in a long-term relationship with. But I think it's so important to, to do because there's a lot of reasons. One is it forces people to be accountable for what they're really doing. Because I remember doing exactly what you're describing. I would approach, like I would go out 
literally my buddy had had a, a Mercedes S class and we would drive, I was living in California at the time, we'd drive out to the uh, San Francisco, like get all dressed up. We'd be reading like dating books as we went out there. We'd have like stuff programmed in our phone. It was like the advent of the smartphones. <laughs> um, but I would go through this entire process or we go through this ritual and then we'd get out there and approach nobody. And we would do this like week after week after week. And I would approach like, let's say that we approached combined like one person a month, <laughs> two people a month. It was like a colossal waste of time versus like when I coach somebody now on their first night and they approach 20 people in a night, like they are more productive than I would have been in a year and a half. Oh yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like my first night's out. Like I was approaching no one. I was out for like so many hours. It's like, it's good to have either a wingman or a coach, someone that can push you. But the funny thing is, is I actually had a wingman and it didn't work. You know what I mean? Because he had as much as approach anxiety as I did. And, you know, and so it's like, it's just really tough. But when you have someone who knows how to coach you through it and get through it, yeah, like you said, like I coach guys and they end up approaching like God knows how many women in a weekend, you know, um, and they just learn a lot faster and then get through that tough process and just ripping the bandaid off faster, you know. Yeah, I mean, the fantasy for all the guys that are listening to this is like, I'm going to go out with somebody who's way better than, than me and learn. The un, the unfortunate reality is that most of the guys who are way better don't want to go out with guys who are way behind them. And so, and like, I, I love coaching, but in my personal life, my personal life is very separate because I, I'll give a, a good example. One time I was out coaching and uh, it was during Fleet Week in New York City and I had ended up kissing this really beautiful girl and she was really nice. Like we kind of connected and hit it off. And then out of nowhere, she kind of disappeared and she had a friend. And so I assumed it was maybe the friend. Um, it had something to do with it. And the second thing I kind of, and I'm usually very good at assessing the situation. The second thing I thought about was maybe it is the environment because there's fleet week. These like soldiers are around all around town and they do garner a ton of attention. So even if they don't have really good game when there's a hundred soldiers in a bar <laughs> it just and they're all wearing their sailor suits it's it's a it's a tough crowd to compete against but at any rate about a year later she came into town and we were talking and uh because she told me oh i'm coming back in town i had her on facebook before she had disappeared and uh, when she came back into town she said you know it's funny when i met you we went to the bathroom like we we're talking to you and i was hanging out with you and and then i, I went to the bathroom with my friend and uh, disappeared for a little bit. And I was like, I remember that. And she goes, well, I went into the bathroom to Google you because I could not figure out why your friends were so different than you. Like you were, oh you, you were really cool. And like you had this like a relaxed kind of vibe and you were comfortable with yourself. But the guys you were with, like there was like, just something was off. And, and she goes, I realized you were running a workshop. That's why we left. Oh my God, that's so funny. I literally had a very similar experience the other week. Okay. So I was with three clients and we're in line and we're in line for a bar and I just start chatting up, you know, this like group in front of us. It was like one guy and, and two girls and, and I'm just talking to them and like my students behind me were just kind of quiet, like watching me, you know, just kind of seeing how I interact with people, which is fine. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I was just kind of, I was just controlling the conversation and then like I introduced them, but still they kind of stayed back and didn't talk. And when I'm out and about, I don't like to really uh, tell people I'm talking to that I'm a dating coach because 
when you tell them you're a dating coach, it just goes off in this whole other conversation and like everything starts to become, that becomes the focus. Yeah. <laughs> I, find, I find it like, and that's kind of awesome at first. Like, oh, cool. I'm a dating coach. Everyone loves it. But it, like, you can't really connect with anyone when you say that. So I just, I just kind of like say I'm a life coach, which doesn't garner much conversation just a little bit, but it doesn't become the focus. And then I can really connect with them better. So I just said I was a life coach and, um, and then like later on, I saw them again at the bar and I was talking to them and they're like, you're not a life coach. There's no way. Like, come on. Like you're, you're taking those guys out for sure. Like, and I was like, what, how did you know? Like, cause I don't know. I wasn't really thinking. And they're like, you were talking to us. You were all comfortable and you were all, you know, fun. And the, the guys were standing there behind you watching you like looking at your every move. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is true. All right. So like I had that same experience where, you know, they see that and, and it, it's just, it's funny. I think I didn't get the Google. I didn't get the Google. That is actually that's way funnier than mine, but still it's uh it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Well, it's something that's worth pointing out. People do make judgments about who you're with and how they're reacting to you. And these were great guys, but they they were at a different phase in their life as far as getting comfortable with themselves and but yeah, so going back to the idea of of kind of documenting your journey or how this kind of relates like one, you can see, go back and look and see the progress you've made. Second, you can analyze what you're doing kind of on a, a, a deeper level. Um, you can break it up into smaller pieces and focus on specific goals, right? Like I'm just going to focus on eye contact today. I'm just going to focus on kind of taking up space. So it allows you to narrow that focus. And then third, it like actually allows you to have a focus. I literally don't know any other way to do it. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I'm not even sure. It wasn't like I had this, like, you know, all different kinds of methods to pick from, but I just didn't know any other way. Like, how else do you do you get better at something? You know what I mean? Like, the only way to do it is to, to do it one step at a time or else. I mean, you could, of course, work on everything at once, but but you're already, you're already nervous. You're already like working on your nerves. And so because your nerves are, because you know, like if you're playing tennis or something like that and you're working everything on once, it's not as bad maybe because you're just throwing a ball around. But like, this is, you know, of course you have to do the same system for both, but you know, it's just especially for, for working with, uh, for working with social skills because it's just like guys get so nervous. So you can't, it's hard to combine everything at once, but, but yeah, anything you're doing at the end of the day, the baby step approach is the way to do it. You know, just it's the way to go. It's what's going to get you better faster and and you're just more efficient with it. You know, you see quicker results that way. I'm starting to get over on time. Any kind of last suggestions, advice, words of wisdom from a man who's went out maybe not 10,000 hours, but thousands of hours? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's like a million things I could say right now, but. I think the one thing is just try to learn to love the process because that's what I did. And I think that's what works really well. You know, just like we're talking about relating to everything we're saying, like we're, we're relating it to skills and tennis and, and, and whatever, you know, it's like try not to get discouraged. Try to have fun with it. You know, the self-amusement is a big part of it. Have fun with it, you know, because if you're not having fun with it, it's just a chore, you know, and then, and you, then you become discouraged and, and it can all fall apart, you know? So, and it took me a while. I didn't get this advice. That's why this is the one piece I'd like to give the guys listening is that, you know, it's going to be difficult. 
You're going to go through a lot of painful times, but try to just make it fun. That's what, you know, and that's where the journal came in for me. Like the journal made it more fun because I was able to like, you know, record stuff and it was kind of like a game almost. I don't like to look at it like a game, but you know, it just made it more of, of an event. So I guess the best, you know, parting words is just have fun with it. You know, um, don't stress out too much. Don't get overwhelmed by it and just, um, you know, make it a part of your life and make it just one more thing that, that you like to do. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add kind of one quick thing. Don't ever show this journal to a girl that you're dating. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's the thing is I lost my I don't even know where it is. Like some who knows where this thing is right now and who knows who can find it. But <laughs> I, either I, way, you know what? Here you know what here's another lesson though, real quick, and then I know we gotta end. Is like if someone does find it, like the, the big thing is like just own up to it. Like who cares? You know, if they're gonna judge you for that. Screw them. This is something that you wanted to learn and get good at, and you did. So whatever. Own up to it. I agree with that. When I was thinking about that, there's a guy who had kept like really extensive notes on his online dating profile, and it created a spreadsheet. And it was a really smart idea. In fact, I absolutely advocate that people do that. Um, but he made the mistake of telling a girl on a date that he kept a spreadsheet. And then he made the further mistake of forwarding it to her. And she turned around and posted it on the internet and yeah, wrote an article. Yeah. That. You're like, I mean, the first thing I, I, I thought when I saw that is like, that's an evil thing to do. There's like no, he was, all he was trying to do is be serious and take this serious. And he wasn't doing anything to hurt anybody. Like, especially, I mean, some guys could be like, here, look at, like, this is how many girls I, like I had sex with in the last, like, whatever, three weeks. That's not really what this guy was doing. He was just like trying to keep track and, and be serious. But you know, he interviewed some of they interviewed some of the other girls who were in the, the journal because they had their email addresses and everything on the and one girl said, you know, I actually think like it says a lot about him. Like he was taking the process serious and and he clearly w- was being serious. So that that's why I told that story. Depending on what you may uh, I agree with you. You get caught, own up to it, but I also recommend for the ease of life, don't go out of your way to make your life difficult. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was absolutely a pleasure to to speak with you. Um, I thought this was awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. If you're listening and you want to learn more about Trip and his coaching, the things that he does, I'm going to post a link on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about him more easily. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks again, man. It's Dating Coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, Go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.